it's Margot Tantow here. Welcome to Windowsill Chats, a podcast for creatives and the creatively curious. I am so glad you're here. I've spent decades working with artists and being one myself. I've spent time in the trenches figuring out the best way to get something made, how to put oneself out there, and how to get your work noticed and pull yourself up and face the next challenge. Windowsill Chats brings you creativity from a global perspective as I talk in depth to friends I've met along the way. I'm here to bring their stories to you as well as a few of my own and see if there's anything you can pull out for yourself. Maybe a laugh, something you can relate to, and definitely a little bit more community for your quiet corner. So grab a cup of tea or coffee, maybe your paint water, a glass of wine, and join me over in my sunny windowsill. friends. Thank you for finding your way to the windowsill. I have a treat for you today. I feel like I say that every time and it's true every time. Back in March, my sister and I went to Alt Summit in Palm Springs. And then as we've done before, we made our way up to Joshua Tree for just a little bit of extra inspirational creative time since we were right there, nature time. And I made my way into a favorite gallery there, which we talk about. And on the walls were Melissa Lakey's pieces and her work, and I was smitten. And long story short, she's here today because of that initial connection. And I'm just excited for you guys to know a little bit more about Melissa, her process, and the beautiful work she creates. Melissa is a contemporary visual artist and illustrator based in Joshua Tree, California, where the windows of her art studio look out into the Mojave Desert. Her colorful work celebrates the landscape and animals of the American Southwest and her love of cowboys, road trips, and summer vacations. Recent exhibitions include A Desert Made of Dreams and Other Tales at Hather Projects in Joshua Tree and Tumbleweeds at Get Nice Gallery in Seattle. She also right now is in the middle of a brand new show at Loon and Ojo in Taos, New Mexico. So if you'd like to know a little bit more about where to find Melissa, you can find her at melissalakey.com and the same on Instagram. So take a look. But if you do that right now, make sure you keep the podcast going because I think you'll love this one. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you, Melissa, for joining me on short notice. I've been wanting to talk to you ever since I first saw your work. Well, thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be on the podcast because I've listened to it for a few years. So Aww. it's pretty exciting to be here. Thanks. You were one of those people where I I found you, you know, I went into the gallery and found you and I was like, oh, and I looked you up on Instagram and it was like, oh, she already follows me. That, you know, every once in a while that happens. And it's like, oh my gosh, who is this person? <laughs> but I just absolutely love your work. But I would love to know, of course, a little bit about yourself and how you got started as an artist and illustrator. What inspired you to focus on creating artwork that celebrates, oh, I'd say the landscape and animals and characters of the American Southwest, which you do so well. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, I mean, it's been a, you know, all over the place journey to end up where, where I currently am with art, like exploring. So I think that's how it is for most people. It's always so interesting to see kind of how things transpire and morph along the way. Yeah. Like a lot of people like me, I think like I had a long break where I didn't do any art. And I think that's also common I've found with people. Like I did a lot of art as a kid and a teen, then got to around my early 20s and was like, I don't know if this is for me. And then basically didn't do anything for like over a decade. Yeah. <laughs> then, uh, then, then did you just... Up. Yeah. Did you just feel like, oh, I were you inspired by other people or how did you how did you kind of get back to it? It's kind of gradual. I, um, so I, I guess around like 2005, I stopped doing art and did other things for a long time, like creative things, writing and yeah. filmmaking and stuff, but not visual art. And then I'd seen a few people doing the 100 day project before and I always just loved the idea of that mm -hmm. so that was kind of my gateway back in and often how I suggest people to get back into art is like join in a challenge like maybe not 100 days that's always a little long but I did you that kinda, you kind of can't help it if you do something like that right 
yeah, you just, I, I did it in 2018 and 2019 and 2020. And all those years I, I did the 100 day project and then just like didn't do any art again for the rest of the year. <laughs> well, it is and kind of a lot. It, I was just like sick of it by then. And then 2021, I did a 100 day project again. And then I kind of kept going from there and haven't stopped. But I think a big part of my journey was like finding what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what I, why I stopped when I was younger is I was making art, but I didn't really know what I wanted to make or why. Yeah. And like, I didn't know yet. Like I, for some reason, didn't know you can make art that wasn't realistic. Like that was still my gauge of like, is this good or not? Yeah. How realistic does it look to the photo that I'm drawing from or something? And I wasn't that interested in that, but I didn't quite know there was more out there in the same way that there, I just feel now you're exposed to so many more things. I love that topic because I'm, I can totally relate to that. I feel like, you know, I, I'm, I wonder how many people are, you know, perking up to this because I used to feel, and I think I still do. Oh, that doesn't look like what I'm looking at. Like if I'm drawing was if I was in class and drawing a, I don't know, still life or whatever piece of lace or whatever, like I'm thinking back on some of these assignments and, um, I just didn't think it was good. But then the people I love the most are the people who have have their own style and have found a way to to create something looks like them. And it's not it doesn't look like that piece of lace. It looks like their interpretation. And I I don't know why we're so hard on ourselves like that. It's just hard because I feel like you don't know how to measure. That was what I had a hard time with at first. I was like, how do you know if it's good or not? Mm-hmm. If it's not realistic and like maybe it doesn't matter if it's good or not, but being like okay with that discomfort was like a long process. Like when I first got back into drawing in those like 2018, 2019 years, I was doing like uh, in 2019, I did iPad art and basically like traced photos because I was so mm-hmm. scared of like, mm. what if someone finds out that I can't draw because I'm not good at drawing <laughs> anymore because I took 15 years off or whatever. <laughs> so I was like, oh, no, that was like my worst fear. So I was so focused on making something that I was like, OK, this is not bad rather than like, do I like it? Do I right. want to be making it? So I enjoyed it. I still had fun, but it took a while to get to where I am now, which is I'm making stuff that I that I love, that it's fun, and it's definitely not realistic. It's just like, you know, three-legged horses floating in the sky. So. Yes, but it's so appealing. What do you think was that shift for you? What do you think got you to that point where you thought, oh, I like what I'm doing. It feels like me. It took a lot of um, drawing. I think it was a lot of, like, 2021, because um, my husband and I have a wedding filming business like that's my main income oh, so wow. obviously like 2020 2021 it was quieter yeah <laughs> there's yes. not as many weddings so I had a lot of time just to do a lot of art and I was just doing art pretty much every day and I took a lot of classes like I did take some creative voice classes which really helped me a lot mm. took one with Lindsay Stripling I don't know if you know her work yeah yeah I've taken a bunch of classes with her and she really helps you dig into the like what colors do I love what subject matters do I love like What's my personal history? What are my memories? Mm. Like, what am I drawn to? Mm, I love that. And I think connecting to a lot of that and having the space in like a class format to follow that. That's kind of when I really tipped into like the the series I'm working on now. Oh, that's that's really great. That really makes sense because those are the questions, right? What it starts to pull out the the thread that's you. When you pay attention to those things, what colors do you like? You know, why are you doing this this way? What's what subjects? I'm going to have to I'm going to have to check that out. And Lindsay, uh, sorry, um, Lisa Condon's creative voice book, which I read Uh, later on. It has a lot of similar, not quite similar, but like I've taken a few different creative voice things and they often approach mm -hmm. those similar subjects in different ways and help you draw it out in different ways. I love hearing that from artists I respect and admire, you know, how they got there, which I know Lisa's book is is so helpful to and has been to so many. And it sounds like Lindsay's courses are too. But to mm-hmm. hear something for similar from different people that we admire is also a really good thing too, because it helps us then, okay, if they do it that way, they do it that way, I can do it my way. Yeah, because I think... And some of the classes, like one way of asking it, like I just didn't connect or get it. And then another person would be like, explore it this way. And then mm. you'd kind of find your way. Good for you, because you you definitely did. Did you start to build up a collection? Kind of how did you then evolve into the work that you're doing and showing now? 
Yeah, so I did, it was like October 2021, I was doing the first creative voice class with Lindsay Stripling. Mm-hmm. And then I kind of made it, well, as happens to me sometimes when I'm doing something new, I hated everything I did and thought, at one point in the class, I was like, I don't think fine art is for me. Like, I don't think I want to be in galleries. Like, I can't do it. And I don't like the work I'm making. Mm-hmm. And then <laughs> the next month was Folktale Week. Oh, um, yeah. And I've always wanted to do Folktale Week, which if you if you don't know what it is, it's like a week-long Instagram challenge every November. So that year, I decided to follow the prompts. But I didn't do a real folktale. I did just cowboys, basically. Um, so that was like my first you. little, yeah, it was like my first little series using their prompts to kind of help me. Mm-hmm. I needed that like leap to get into the imagination. I love and I found that. Really helpful. Sarah Dyer, who's an illustrator, mm-hmm. has a really mm-hmm. nice Patreon, and she does a lot of stuff around Folktale Week every year. I found that helpful of like starting to think more creatively around prompts and stuff. She does have a good Patreon. I love that. That makes a lot of sense. I know there's a lot of listeners that participate in Folktale Week and and host it as well. I'll have to go back and see if I can find some of those. That makes perfect sense. I actually have one piece from that Folktale Week uh, that's in my show in Taos. Oh, really? Ooh, yes. It's like, nice. I'm like bringing it along. On it. It's, everything else is pretty much new, but that's an old one from that week. I love that. Well, I think when there's things like that, you can find that you really that you've heard of or you've thought about and you can really dig into it. I love a challenge like that. I mean, that's kind of the great thing about taking a class or being in school where you have a challenge. It's like, all mm-hmm. right, this is an assignment and I need to do it. And and you push yourself. Whereas, you know, now when I go into my studio, well, it helps if I have a show. Yeah. Then I'm like, oh my gosh, I have to pump out some new things. But if not, so I have to make up my own challenges. <laughs> oh, that's yeah, so great. I needed that a lot in like, 2021 and like the first part of 2022 I was just doing like classes and challenges and things nonstop. and then I had to take a, a break be like no like now I'm in my own little world like no classes no challenges just like go deep in this world and that's where I've been too like I even stopped listening to art podcasts and watching art videos for a little while because I just like was like no more input no no yeah. output yeah take what you've heard and and just mess around with it for a while yeah so tell me, um, you mentioned in, we do a little thing where we fill out things ahead of time. And I love lo- digging into your, to your websites and things like that. And you mentioned using traditional materials and combining organic textures. I think your textures are, I'm big into texture and fun colors. Um, tell me a little bit more about the techniques and the materials you like to use. Because yeah. I feel like there's something about, I mean, obviously, right? It's paint and color and a brush and a canvas or a piece of wood, but they're very, they just have such a life to them. They they make me smile. They make me want to kind of crawl in. No, that makes me happy. I love it when people say that my work makes them smile because mm-hmm. that's my best. That's what I always kind of hope for. Yeah, I use mixed media and pretty much all my pieces. I just love art supplies. I feel like... One of your things was you're gonna ask is like what's one of your what's your inspiration? And like just art supplies is my inspiration. <laughs> just, I just use a lot and I use people are like, oh, which is in this? I'm like, just everything, just everything in the whole studio ended up on this piece. But that's again, so good though. Cause when you have a bunch and you collect things or you you've had something for a while, then that's another thing that makes it it can't be like anybody else's that way, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So I I stop most of the time with something wet, like ink or watercolor or gouache and do like a background. Um, I work a lot with negative space. Mm. I find that helps me a lot. In um, I don't draw first on the paper, so I just start with a brush and paint, and then we'll like leave negative space for things. And that helps me be free and like keep the like wonky, quirky, imperfect. Oh, that's cool. Um, that was a real break for through me when I started working that way. I still have a harder time if I start like with the subject and then yeah. do you know what I mean? So I often oh, will just I don't like think I've thought about it that way, but that's great. Cause then you're, cause if you're thinking about the tightness of that, what you want that subject to look like, the rest might not flow as much, but then you just leave room for it later. That's super cool. Yeah. And sometimes it don't leave enough room and that adds to the charm. I think <laughs> yeah. like I did a painting recently of this cowboy reaching up and he was supposed to be like floating off the ground. And I got to the bottom of the page as I was painting the background and I was like, Oh, I did not leave enough room down here. So now he's like <laughs> kneeling down and I was, oh, I've never thought of this pose if I didn't have to problem solve this painting. 
That is such a great approach. I really, really like that. I It would be fun to watch a process video or something like that of yours just to kind of... Yeah, I have a couple of time lapses, I think, if you scroll back in the reels. Oh, good. So yeah, I start with something wet like that, and then um, that's the main painting on a lot of my pieces, and the rest, a lot of it is drawing with colored pencils and oil pastels and crayons and things mm -hmm. like that, and just kind of building up from there. I love that. I feel like your artwork conveys, you know, it's it's got a nostalgic sense to it, travel, road trips, kind of being out um, somewhere, because you live somewhere really cool, summer vacations. Um, well, and I imagine living where you do, there, there, it feels like you're surrounded by that kind of thing all the time. So tell people kind of how that, how you get that inspiration and a little bit about where you live, because it's a magical place. Yeah, I love the high desert here. Like, that's mm -hmm. really when I got back into art is when I moved out here. Mm. And I think that happens to a lot of people that I've met out here. You move out, people are like, pick up their musical instruments again or pick yeah. up their art again. And it's very like, open. There's something about a wide open sky yeah. and not cluttered with buildings and things like that. That it, 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 I think a wide open anything, you know, where you, where there's room for it, you know, there's room for that in your brain then. Yeah, it just feels like there's a lot of space here. Like where I live, like I live on like an acre and a quarter, but all the other people around me have at least that or more. So it's mm. kind of spread out. And I'm up on the hillside so I can look out like across Yucca Valley and into Joshua Tree National Park. Mm. So you get like big skies and big space. Because before this, I lived in the mountains. So I lived in an even smaller town. But you're always like in the trees, which I mm -hmm. also like. But I really like that feeling of space. Yeah. And I think... Yeah, just like moving to a new place too, like you just feel more creative. And I don't really like painting trees. So it turns out I like painting the <laughs> desert. Although well, that I is still, so convenient. still struggle to draw Joshua trees. Like I do a lot of saguaros in my work because I yeah. really like saguaros. They're so easy to draw, but Joshua trees are like so hard. Well, that's okay. You don't have, <laughs> you could just look at them and save them for, save them for the back of your mind. I, I still put them in my work sometimes. I'm like, one day I master you one day. I love that. Do you, it, it seems like you have sort of favorite themes to come back to. Yeah, I do a lot of cowboys, cowgirls, horses, and then a lot of desert animals, like coyote-ish creatures and snakes and roadrunners and all of the creatures out here, because I see all of them in my yard. That's so um, cool. I imagine. Nighttime. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, just nighttime. I often love nighttime mm. scenes. It's a big theme. Yeah, you have some, you do that really well, that night, the color, you know, it feels dark, but it's not, there's, again, so many layers to it, so much texture, stars, and that kind of, it's kind of dreamy, but not, I feel like you capture the vastness really well. Yeah, thanks. One of my 100 day projects was a 100 night scenes, and I kind of just got really into it. Because you just think about all different ways that you could depict night. Like, it doesn't have to be blue. It doesn't have to be dark. Like, I feel like I could just keep exploring that more, too. What a great 100-day project. I was going to ask you what some of those were. So, a night that's a challenge, a nighttime for 100. It was fun. Yeah, yeah. that was, what, 2021 20, I did night scenes. 2020, I illustrated memories of all my old trips and, like, wrote about them. So, I was, like, traveling in my sketchbook. And then... 2019, I did limited color palettes, I think, which was the first time I had tried that. And 2018 was just plein air, which was fun. That's a good one. I don't know what I would do for a 100-day project. I should think about that. You know, one of the things that has interested me, and I didn't think about it till you said the night sky, is clouds, the sky in general. Mm -hmm. I have such admiration for people who can do that. And one time, it was one of those summer courses at Penland or in Aspen or one of those schools and it was all about drawing the sky or painting the sky and I just thought that sounded amazing that would be a fun 100 day project and I think doable like my main tip when people ask about it is just like pick something you can do in five minutes or less or you'll mm -hmm. never make it through 100 days like some days you could spend an hour but you need something that you could do in like five minutes on the day where you're just like I'm sick and busy and yeah well and to give yourself that limit is also a good trick because yeah. then it's like, oh, no, I told myself only five minutes. So that makes you be loose too, kind of yeah. just like using negative space. I love that. So I want to know a little bit more about the residency you just did. That sounded fantastic. Was that your very first residency? 
Yeah, it's the first time. This is five days on the Washington coast. So I've never been to Washington before. And your coast up there is so nice. Like I was like, there's trees right up to the ocean. It is really nice, isn't it? All the sea grasses and stuff. So is that um, Southwest, Southwester? I don't know how mm-hmm. to say the name. Lodge. Have you ever been there? I have not been there. I've wanted to go there. I, I definitely know about it and, it. and it's on my list. Yeah, so they do. I mean, you can go and stay there not doing an artist residency, but you can apply and do a five-day residency there. And I've been wanting to do, because all my work so far has been more like desert-y, but I've been wanting mm-hmm. to do a series that's more just summertime like nostalgic summertime. So I really liked they have all their vintage trailers and everything there is so vintage and nostalgic yeah. and stuff. So I was up there and did a lot of mostly like sketches and studies. Like I just brought like 30 pieces of five by seven paper. Mm-hmm. I brought other paper too, but somehow I only wanted to work small. Yeah. just did lots and lots of... First, I went out and was like painting the things I saw. And then I kind of went into this like painting little swimmers and people camping and things. So I kind of like was inspired by what was there, but then kind of went into my own world with it eventually. But it's hard at first. Like that, I feel like there's like a lot of pressure at first. Like you did all these things, made all this time, got there. You're like, I've got five days. And then right. like the first day I was like, I don't even want to paint. That's too much pressure. <laughs> I, know. I can imagine that would be really tricky, especially such a different visual space. It's like, where I do I even start? I not know what to start? do with all that green. It's so green up there. I didn't yeah. even know what. I was like, I have no idea how to do this. <laughs> how is it green here this time of year? Well, that's because the rest of the year it rains. I yeah. can't wait to see what comes of that. Are you are you happy with what you ended up with? Yeah, I think I made a good start. Like I had to remind myself through the week that I was working in like new subject matter, new colors. I was mostly doing watercolor, which I don't normally do just because I wanted something easy to travel with. So I didn't I was like, you don't have to make like 60 finished paintings, even if I secretly always have that in mind that like, I'll do a whole show <laughs> in five days while I'm there. I'm like, no, this is about like exploring and like seeing what feels good with this like you make it's okay to make stuff you don't like and then so I had to do a lot of talking to myself about that stuff but I do like what I did and I really enjoyed the whole space there the good space well you know I love hearing that too because I think so many times we put pressure on ourselves to you know oh my gosh I brought my notebook or my sketchbook on this trip and I better do something with it and so I'm gonna draw that thing in front of me when that's not it's not really how the flow goes yeah, yeah. And I noticed when I got nervous, I started just drawing things realistically again, too, ah. which which is okay. But I, that's how I was like, my first instinct was like, okay, what green is that? I'm going to mix that exact green. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, I think it'll be interesting, too, to see what progresses as you go back in your sketchbook and you're thinking about it, right? Like, what comes to your mind and your memory instead of seeing that exact thing? Yeah, definitely. You'll have to do another show out here again. (laughs) That would be fun. So I first saw your work. So my sister and I, for a couple of times, have gone to a conference in March that is in Palm Springs. And then we head up to Joshua Tree for a treat afterwards. And I had not been to Hey There Project, which is the gallery you were showing in, in Joshua Tree, which is such a fantastic gallery. I love it so much. So there's a really fantastic store in front with a lot of artist friends of mine and people I hadn't known as well. And then you walk back into the gallery and oh my gosh, I just was, (laughs) I want all of this. And that that doesn't always happen. I mean, often I'll find, you know, a lot of things I like, but your work just really inspires me. And it was really fun to see. And that was your first show since you kind of came back as an artist, right? Yeah, I mean, as like a teen, I had a couple pieces at coffee shops and things like that. But that was my first real show. I did a couple like group shows in 2022, like where I have one or two pieces, but that's my first like real show. Hey there, Windowsill Chats listeners. This is your host, Margo, and I'm here to share some new and exciting opportunities with you. Do you want to dive even deeper into the conversations we have in the Windowsill? Well, I have got a treat for you. In case you missed it, we launched our very own Patreon channel a couple of months ago, and our community continues to grow and evolve 
every day. And it's the perfect way for you to get involved and support the continuation of these thought-provoking conversations. Joining our Patreon community allows you to be a crucial part of what we do here and take windowsill chats to the next level. Now I know what you're thinking, there must be a cost to this, but hold on a sec, guess what? For less than the cost of a single coffee a week, you can become a proud member of our Patreon family. Yep, for just $5 a month, you can support this podcast and ensure that these conversations will continue to be heard. Our Patreon community is where the magic happens. Not only will you get exclusive behind-the-scenes content, early access to new episodes, and bonus conversations with special guests, but you'll also be able to connect with other like-minded listeners who share your passion for artistry, creativity, and learning. By joining Patreon, you're making sure that these conversations keep flowing and I can continue to bring you the diverse perspectives and insights you've come to love. Your support directly impacts the quality and frequency of these episodes, and I couldn't do it without you, truly. So if you believe in the power of ideas and the beauty of human connection, I invite you to check out our Patreon page today. Simply head over to patreon.com backslash in the windowsill or just search in the windowsill and select the membership tier that best suits you. Remember, it's less than the cost of one coffee a week, but the impact you'll make is truly immeasurable. Thank you for being part of our incredible community and helping us keep these conversations alive and thriving in the windowsill. Your support means the world to me, and I can't wait to see you over on Patreon. That's www.patreon.com in the windowsill. Patreon.com backslash in the windowsill. So how did that come about and how did you prepare for that? Because that was a big deal. Yeah, I I mean, I feel really lucky because... I really love Hey There Projects. Like I used to always love going there to see their shows. And it was just sort of like a, not even like a dream that you thought would happen. Of just like, imagine if you had a show here one day, how cool would that be? Because I just think they curate really cool shows there. They always have yeah. really interesting artists. Just So yeah, even that they wanted me to have a show, like them say, uh, Mark and Aaron and Esther being like, you should have a show. I was like, what? You like my work? Me? <laughs> me? Are you sure? <laughs> Yes. Um, so how that happened was last year, after I had done my folktale week project, I had some paintings and I did a few more paintings. And I thought, I'll just ask them if they need any pieces one day for a group show or something. So I emailed them and it was right when, so they used to only have the gallery space and they didn't have the gift shop space. That was their friend's space. And mm -hmm. um, they were just taking over that space like that week. And they needed some artists, to, <laughs> right? Basically, right when I yeah. emailed. So they said, oh, bring some stuff and we'll look at it. And they took some pieces to hang in the kind of gift shop space. Perfect. So I was in that space for a while. Then they invited me to the summer show there. And so I had some pieces in the summer show. And then when they were putting the show schedule together for this year, they asked me, do you want to do a show? I was like, oh, yeah. And first it was maybe going to be paired with someone else. And then they said, do you want to do a solo show? I was like, oh, yeah, of course, yeah, definitely. And then I went home and like panic painted. <laughs> I was like, oh, can I paint something big enough for that space? And I just like made like four paintings that week. Wow. Yeah, because it's a it's a lot of big white walls in there. Yeah, it's not like huge, but this paintings definitely look smaller in there because it's just such a big white room. I love it. And I love that you cut out shapes. Was that always been something you lean towards or did that come along later? Yeah. So I'd seen other artists like um, you probably know Wyatt Hersey. Mm -hmm. I've seen some of his cool wooden cutouts um, on plywood mm -hmm. and stuff. So I thought that'd be fun one day. And then also I wanted to do some bigger pieces for that space, but um, didn't want people to have to because I work on paper. And right. once you get to framing big paper, it's so much money just for the frame. So I was like, yeah. how can I make some more pieces that don't need to be framed? So I don't cut them out. My dad cuts them out. <laughs> Yay, dad. And he just uses a jigsaw and it's cabinet grade plywood. Love and that. then, yeah, so just, I also had a bit of a hard time picking out shapes for that. Cause like when you paint on paper, I feel like there's no pressure. It's just like, I'm going to make a painting. If it doesn't work out, it's a piece of paper. And for a while, something about like committing to a shape that was being cut out took me a while. Like I needed that deadline of the show coming closer to be like, okay, I'm just going to make some shapes and draw them on here and cut them out and see what happens. But. Yeah, because you were describing the kind of the process of the negative space or, you know, kind of starting with the cowboy and ended up kneeling. But with your cutout shapes, do you like the cowgirl holding the guitar? Did you think ahead of time, OK, I'm going to do it? Like, did that come from a sketch 
or a, a different painting? Because you had to commit to that. Yeah. So my process with those is different. Like I do sketch them out and even do like a digital mock-up of like how I think the colors will be. Okay. So I do like making them, but it feels very different. Like I feel like I've already figured everything out and there's no like surprises. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, I mean, I usually leave some things loose, but yeah. like I've, I've figured a lot of it out ahead of time. Whereas with the paper, I'm just like, I don't know what's happening. And just like, good. so I like those ones, but it's almost like executing a plan once I get to the painting part. So they do f- feel different. But I try to yeah. be playful in the planning so that they still feel like loose and playful. It is also yeah. hard to like keep being loose and not correct it. Like I'll draw like a horse and one leg's too long and one's too fat. And I'm like, should I correct that? Like before <laughs> my dad cuts it out and it's really, really wonky. And I was like, no, just go with it. Good for you. That's the yeah. hard part, right? That's when we go back to, no, the horse's leg doesn't look like that, but your horse's legs look like that. And that's why we like it. Yeah, that's that's challenging. I'm I'm glad I asked you that because I, I think that's a really interesting um, process interpretation. You know, the paper is more freeing and the, the other pieces are have to be planned. Hmm. I, I mean, that. I think you could do them without planning quite as much, but I just didn't want to have to repaint them. Right. No, (laughs) no, not at all. So that show, I imagine, went really well Mm because you hadn't I don't think it had even been hanging that long before I got there. And there was a lot sold, which was no surprise. Yeah, it went really well. Like that gallery is in such a good spot and like they know so many people in the art world. And then I think my work is a good fit for Joshua Tree. Mm -hmm. And then because I'm a local, like it was just like a nice space to have the whole the new the show and I got really good feedback which was you know that's really f- nice to hear because it yeah. was like a whole journey of starting getting ready for that show and it kind of froze up because suddenly you're like making paintings for a show like yeah. I even show was in March I think early December I had cleared my schedule so I had a whole week that I could just paint for the show yeah and I like couldn't paint (laughs) and then I made some paintings and I was like these are terrible like Mark and Aaron are gonna be like what I thought she was an artist but actually she's not like oh they're the voices (laughs) so I just I had a hard time with that and then eventually the show just got close enough that I just had to make a lot of paintings and then I kind of got into it yeah and then when I was getting ready for the Seattle show that I was in something similar kind of happened but I was like oh this is what happened before like just keep going you probably don't actually hate this painting yeah so I, again it, it's having that deadline it's having that reason to do it that I don't know that definitely works for me I tend to yeah need that so did the Seattle show and some of these other shows that you're going to be in did those evolve from being in hey there projects or just people seeing your art how is it sort of unfolding for you now yeah it's just kind of happening organically i guess i was in um a group show on the east coast at nakata gallery i don't know if you know that gallery mm-hmm. um they do like every year a big tiny art show oh i love that uh, so i was in the group show there last year and then one of the other artists was the one who has that gallery in seattle graham uh-huh um, Francois, I believe his last name is, uh, he has a get nice gallery in Seattle. So he picked together me and two other artists that he knew that he thought would be a good fit. So that's kind of that that great show. A great combo. Yeah. And then the show I have coming up in Taos. Well, I guess when this comes out, it'll be on in Taos. That was a gallery that I had followed on Instagram because they carry he he has a lot of artists that I like are all in that gallery. So I was just mm-hmm. following it. And he I think he saw that I had the show at Hey There and said, if you ever want to do a show, let's talk about it. Oh, so, I love that. See, it's starting to um starting to unfold. It feels like you're putting yourself out there in a very authentic way and and you're being seen. And that's the best I mean, wouldn't that be nice if we could just plan that? But I think hard work and consistency, and that's that's the kind of things that'll show up. Yeah, because I think my fear of trying to get into gallery shows was just like how to find the right ones, because my work's definitely not like a good fit for everywhere. I mean, no one's work is a good fit for everywhere, right? But 
it's like finding the people that like kind of understand where you're going with it. Well, and I feel like the galleries that hey there and get nice, they like similar when you look at their pages, it's like, oh, I love their vibe. Mm-hmm. And the the gallery in Taos too feels like, you know, it has a really good vibe too. So that makes sense. I like to see that these galleries have new art, up and coming, fresh, interesting. It just makes me want to support them as much as possible. Yeah. And I think it feels more real to me to say, like, I love the artists that you show and I'd love to show there. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah, I think I was afraid before that there was like some snooty art world that I would not fit into. But there's this other art world that I'm in right now, which I feel like is just like there's crossover more between illustration and fine art. And it's just like and folk art and everything. Mm-hmm. It's just a bit more people having fun. I love that you said that too, because that's definitely what I'm drawn to. And I I always think it's interesting that people need to give themselves a title, like I'm an illustrator or I'm a fine artist or I'm a graphic artist or whatever that is, because I think sometimes they really do have a fine line and it's how it's how that work is used. I mean, I know you've done some work for some for some other companies, so you might have a beautiful fine art painting, but it could be used in product. So then mm-hmm. is, does it turn into an illustration? No, it just turns into a vision that somebody had that worked out. Yeah, exactly. So you can you can call yourself whatever you want. But I, I do agree. I feel like these galleries that you're in, it's very um, reassuring for me that this kind of work is being embraced in the way it is. Because it's like I said, every every once in a while, it's like, oh, my gosh, I would totally have a gallery like this. I have a gallery. So it's fun. It's really fun to look at. So your show, tell me a little bit about your inspiration for this new show and where people can see the pieces that will be shown there. Yeah, so it's in Taos at Loon Oho Gallery, which is a very cool kind of like contemporary Western gallery, I want to say. But not like the Western where it's just like oil paintings of cowboys, which is what I think of. Right. It's another example of modern up and coming. This is what we want to see now. Western art, you know, just a little different. Yeah. And Toby, the owner, is an artist, too, and has his work in there sometimes and a lot of different cool artists. A lot of the times it's more of a mix of art in there. And then this summer he's doing some solo shows. So my show will be up until the 20th of September. And it's called Colors of the Sun, Songs of the Moon. Mm, Such a great title. And the title came to me partly in sort of a dream. Like Mm. I had been like trying to figure out what to call it. And then one day as I was waking up, I just thought Colors of the Sun. So sort of like in a dream. And then for a while I was like, no, that's not quite right because I have night scenes too. Mm. So then I added the songs of the moon in there to kind of have like the day and night and then the kind of like colors. And then I have a lot of like musicians and stuff in my art. So aren't you happy with that title? It's such a good title. I like it. I always have a moment coming up with titles where I find them like intensely embarrassing. (laughs) (laughs) I don't mind sharing paintings, but something about titling paintings and like titling shows, sometimes it just feels like here I am being a little poetic. Painting two, painting three. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, I I am very happy with the title. Now I just want to write a book with that title. I'm just into it. I think you should. I think you should. Speaking of books, you are a sketchbook person because you... Mm -hmm. I think I read you recently did a presentation on how to use a sketchbook and that's still available. So tell us a little bit more about your sketchbook practice. Yeah. So sketchbooking, like rewinding all the way back to where we're talking about, like finding creative voice or like being okay with drawing badly and stuff like sketchbooking was a big part of that, especially in 2021. Mm -hmm. I just felt like a huge stack of sketchbooks. Uh, I joined a lot of Patreons, like I talked about before, Sarah Mm -hmm. Dyer, and then also Emma Carlisle has an amazing Mm -hmm. sketchbook Patreon. She was hosting like Zoom, so it's like we couldn't go anywhere, so we were like drawing over Zoom. And I had a friend, Natalie uh, Lundin, we were drawing together over Zoom a lot. She got me back into sketchbooking and had a um, regular Tuesday night. We would draw together over Zoom every Tuesday. Love that. So that really helped me get back into it, so... And then once we were able to start traveling again, I'd take a sketchbook with me on trips because we traveled to shoot weddings. So I'd try to be Mm -hmm. drawing in the car. And so those it was a big part of my practice that way. 
And then now I also keep ones that I use more for like collecting painting ideas and show title ideas. And, and then I've also used them for client work where I actually did the project in the sketchbook for them, things like that. So I use them in a lot of ways, slightly less now because I'm doing a lot more finished work. Whereas mm-hmm. before I just didn't do any finished work. I was just like, like playing in a sketchbook. And for me, that helped. I was just like, you're just going to turn the page and it didn't matter. Yeah. It's not as precious somehow. It's not as big. You can close it up. No one's going to see it necessarily. But you don't throw it away too. So you can go back and like see the threads that were starting, which I like. What a great way to kind of just break the ice for yourself. It's like, no, if I can do it here, maybe I can, maybe I want to try it a little bigger. Maybe I want to try it with paint. Do you use the same, do you tend to go to the same things to draw with in your sketchbook? What do you use? Do you paint or draw or combo? If I'm like out and about, it's often markers, like watercolor markers and crayons and pencils. And I will paint in them sometimes at home. Mm-hmm. And then if I'm just sketching ideas for painting, sometimes I work in pencil or sometimes in ink. Like I'll do a whole like 11 by eight and a half sketch. That's nice. like an idea for the future. So, but yeah, so I did a presentation end of July with Ink Goodness. I don't know if you know Inky Goodness. It's like an illustration collective. Yeah, I had looked into it and I'd forgotten about it. So it was nice to have that reminder from you. Yeah, it's like a collective of illustrators and artists and they do a lot of classes and presentations and stuff. So Lisa, who runs it, invited me to do a sketchbook presentation with them. I love that. It wasn't necessarily like how to use sketchbooks, but I just kind of showed how I use them in my creative practice. I kind of showed good pages, bad pages, like the different types that I keep. Like sometimes I'll have a themed one. Like I have one that I'm working on right now of drawing all the, maybe not all, but the covers of the records in my record collection while listening to the record. Oh, what a great idea. So I kind of just talk about things like that, like projects you can do or ways to keep sketchbooks um, and materials that I use. I I also have a link. You have a link. Yeah. Let's talk about that. Oh, just going back to materials. I know people like to know. I do have a link in my instagram bio i should send you the link to that's just a list of all my favorite material like oh yeah we'll put it on my blog that's just like here's the sketchbook i use here's the paper i use because i love to know what people are using and that's like one of the number one messages i was getting for a while on instagram so i just put the list together so i'll send you that excellent tip yes so people can find it on your instagram and find it on the show notes page but i think that's wonderful and you said that you're the talk you did is available to purchase through the end of August. So people can jump on that right now, right? Yeah, I think we'll put a link in the show notes and then there's a link on my Instagram as well. Till the end of August is the replay. It's like a 90 minute replay of the presentation. So, And I really do think it's very valuable to look and see how other people do it. That always helps me, not because I want to do it like they do, but it, it just, oh, I hadn't thought about a sketchbook for this particular theme. The last couple of podcasts we've had, it's interesting that this is that yours is next because we've been talking to a couple of people who do journaling very mm-hmm. differently than each other, but kind of a way to capture what you're interested in, how to work past maybe something that's stopping you. And if you just have that book that you can pick up and draw and it's not necessarily precious, it helps just like we've been talking about, then to, then maybe the painting can be next or, you know, whatever that is that you your goal is. And I, I just, this is a great reminder. Maybe it's a message to me that I need to get the sketchbooks out again. Yeah, I think the favorite one that I talked about for people was I have one that I just call my experiments one, mm-hmm. which is just supposed to be for like, if I want to do something that I want to, I think I'll probably just draw badly or I just want to swatch colors or like I want to draw something badly and then like paint over it some other way that doesn't work out and it's like some of my other sketchbooks are a bit nicer like that I take on trips I want to like flip back through later and this one's just like everything in here is just going to be bad it's never going to be seen on Instagram no one else needs to see it and there's something very free about that one that's such good permission to give yourself just to it it can be bad or however mm-hmm. you want to call that. I love that. I All these things are pointing me to to pulling out the sketchbooks again, for sure. So that's that's really positive, and I appreciate it. Um, how do you... We always get stuck and hung up and 
you know, wonder about social media. How does that work for you? Because I feel like you do social media really well and it's a good representation of your work. How do you use it to connect with your audience and share your creative journey? Yeah, I think it's changes over the years. Like I first got into it, like I said, doing the 100 day projects. So when, when you're doing that, you can follow a bunch of other people who are also doing 100 day projects and make internet friends, see what everyone's doing. Um, yeah, it's just kind of changed over the years. Like for a while, I would just, I would just put up anything I made because I was just like, I made this. And then I'd be yeah. like, oh my God, 60 people like this. Like it blew my mind. Yeah. And that was like, for me at that time was like so helpful to like share it and have people comment and things like that. And now I still use it a lot, but I often don't post things until like a month or so after I make them because mm-hmm. I find that I don't want that feedback right away. Mm-hmm. You want to kind of sit with it for a minute and yeah. Yeah. Otherwise it's talking to you from the corner. Yeah. That way it keeps it you. Yeah. That's so a, I still love sharing tip. things on there, but I often, I usually just photograph things as I go and I have a little folder on my phone of things I'm going to share, like when it feels right. Mm-hmm. Or sometimes I don't share it till three months later when they're, it's in a show or something like that, but yeah. I have fun with it. And I love taking the photos for it. Like, oh, the sun's falling on my desk and that looks nice. I'll scatter some art supplies yeah. around and like, I try to just have fun with it. And that I think for me helps keep the balance. Like when it stops feeling fun, I just take a break. Yeah. Like when I can, sometimes you're like promoting something or it's hard to take a break sometimes, but I think just trying to have fun with it and take breaks when I need to. Yeah, that's good. And you're still doing wedding videos all the time. Mm-hmm. That, yeah. So that, that, that kind of is a natural break as well. I imagine when you have a lot of work going on. Yeah, exactly. That's very cool. So what's next for you? What are you hoping to do after this show wraps up? Um, Probably like have kind of the quiet September, I hope, because it's kind of been like go, go, go this summer. And then my mom and I are having an open studio in October, which will be fun. They do a really big open studio event here in the high desert Mm. where it's, it's over three weekends. We're just doing the last weekend. But there's, I'm trying to think, there's like 150 studios or something like that. Wow. And you get spread out over, there's like several towns here. There's like Morongo Valley, Joshua Tree, Yucca Valley, 29 Palms. And you get like a fold-out map and like a catalog and there's an app and people just, you're exploring the desert. You see like different cool places you've never been to and people's houses. And yeah. It's a lot of fun. Oh, that sounds worth a trip for sure. Yeah, it's it's pretty cool. Like if you're in the area, so my mom, I'll be at my mom's studio because she. Ha- I don't have a studio. I'm just in a corner of my house, but mm-hmm. she has a dedicated ceramic studio, so I'll be at hers. Oh, that's great! So anyone who's down there at the end of what did you say, November, October? October. Yeah, we're doing the third weekend. Mm-hmm. I think it's like October twenty first or something. And then right. I have a show in February on the East Coast, and then I don't know. I'd like It'll- to do some more shows. Write It'll a book. Show up. Yeah. But would you ever teach? I like teaching. I found it just takes a lot of time. Mm-hmm. I actually like the teaching part. Sometimes a part of like promoting the class and writing the class description and emailing people about the class and sending out a reminder about the class and then posting on social media about the class again. <laughs> yes. I found like that part of it took a lot more time than I expected. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. There's like a lot of things I really enjoy doing, but then I try to protect the like time you get to just paint. Yeah. So I do want to teach more, but it's always like finding the right way to do it where it feels like worth it time wise. Yeah. yeah. Where maybe it's inspiring instead of burdensome. Or maybe I'll find a situation where I can just show up and teach and I don't have to do as much of the promotional stuff. Oh, that sounds like a good idea. There's plenty of those you can do. <laughs> you can go do it a retreat in Oaxaca or something like that and people yeah. look up. Oh, that's so great. Well, I've just loved hearing more about your path and what inspires you because, like I said, I'm just a super huge fan of your work. I love it so much. Oh, thank you. So, of course, I would like to know who's inspiring you these days. Uh, I've probably mentioned most of them. Like Lindsay Stripling is a big one for me. Like her classes are really great. I've taken a bunch of them, like her creative voice classes. And also she did a, it was a six month class where we met every other week with a small group of us. Nice. And we we're all working on different projects. That's when I was getting ready for my first show. So mm-hmm. having that support from the other artists and from her 
when I was doing things like writing my first artist statement and stuff. Mm-hmm. And helps she so often, much. <laughs> she often thinks about things differently than me because I'll go into a week being like, okay, how can I make 60 paintings this week? And she'll be <laughs> like, oh, so how are you resting and taking care of yourself this week? Because that's part of a creative practice too. And I'm like, well, I don't want to rest. And I'm like, okay, maybe <laughs> you're right. Uh, so yeah, Lindsay, um, my mom is a big inspiration of mine, Cher Townsend. We did a show together in April. So it was really fun to see our work together. Cause she, like her imagination, she just is always making something new. She, oh, like, the only thing that stops her is time. Like I mm. asked her once, do you ever run out of ideas? And she was like, no. <laughs> like, what? No, just time. That's awesome. So, and I loved, and all of course, all this be, will be in the show notes. But looking at your mom's um, website too, and her how different her work is, and I imagine evolution. But because of that show you did together, just how it, you inspired each other, probably. But there, I just think it would be so cool to see both of you um, and what you've worked on at a similar space and time. It's beautiful work. Yeah, well, I guess in October, we'll be in our studio together. Well, she moved out here to the desert in like a year and a half ago. So that's when a lot of the desert animals and stuff started showing up in her work, too. So once we're both out here, we're kind of inspired by the same subject matter. That makes great sense. And then, let's see, another inspiration of mine is Emily Powell, who's an English painter. She's someone I discovered like a few years ago when I was getting back into art and just her, she just goes for it it's just like wild and free and so loose and so just like you can tell she just loves painting and is having so much fun with her color and her subject matter and like she doesn't seem to hold back she doesn't hold back and she's successful i think seeing someone be like i can just paint tigers floating in the sky and like that's art yeah (laughs) made me be like but that's what i want to be doing so maybe i could do that too it is. It's really inspirational to find people that inspire you like that and think like, okay, permission granted. I can do that too. I can paint really big or I can be really loose and it's okay because she's doing it. Yeah. I love that. Well, you inspire me for sure. Tell people where they can find you. Yes, I'm at melissalakey.com or on Instagram at melissa.lakey or you can come see my stuff in Taos. That's right. House now. And then at the end of October, open studios in Joshua Tree and environs. And we'll just keep watching for you and seeing what you're doing next. Thank you so much for joining me today. I loved it. Thank you so much for having me on. Before you go, I just want to say a quick thanks for tuning in. I hope you found something useful to take away and something to make you think. For those of you listening in on Spotify, and I know there are many, you now have the cool option to show your love for Windowsill Chats quickly and easily. From the show page in the Spotify app, you can simply tap to rate it one to five stars. And of course, I'll really appreciate it too if you leave a review wherever you might be listening. See you next week, lovelies, and I hope it's a creative one.